You're listening to Time in the Word. In this final session of Dr. Gonzalez's study of the key figures in the tribulation period, he wraps up his discussion about the 144,000 and ends this topic by looking at the two witnesses whom God will raise up and who will bear testimony to him. When they have completed their ministry, they will be put to death by the Antichrist, with the unbelieving world rejoicing and celebrating this terrible act. But to their amazement, the two will be raised from the dead and taken to heaven. As God ministers to you through this series of studies, and as you experience God's love and grace in your own life, share these podcasts with others, so that they too may be blessed by God's Word and His amazing grace. Let us listen as Dr. Gonzalez continues his study on End Times Prophecy. Father, we thank you for this time. We give you all the honor and glory. We are grateful for your word, and uh, we are grateful for the Spirit who helps us understand and interpret the word. And we just pray that you would use it today to conform us more and more to the image of Christ, for it it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, again, if you've been with us the last two weeks, you know that we have been discussing the key figures in the tribulation period. Uh, We have been discussing some of the events that are going to occur in the tribulation period, but not because that's been the intention of the study. Uh, It's just because uh, as we read some of the passages of scripture that speak of these individuals or or, uh, some of the events uh, are spoken of as well. We will be spending time in the future uh, studying the tribulation period. We will actually consider the events during the first half of the tribulation. We will look at the tribulation as it reaches its midpoint and we will also be doing a study of the last three and a half years of the tribulation period. At that time we will actually actually be looking at a chrono- uh, at all the events in a chronological order or as best as we can put it together to gu- kind of uh, give us a, uh, the bigger picture of what the seven years will be like here on planet earth. Well we have already discussed the Antichrist and we have already discussed the false prophet, the one who will lead the apostate church uh, uh, during the tribulation period. Last week we started looking at the 144,000, those who are, are saved or who come to faith in Christ during the tribulation and who are called by God to be the world's evangelists and who will, in essence, um, bring many to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ as a result of their ministry. Now, we had looked at two different passages in the book of Revelation. Uh, Revelation 7, verses 1 through 8. I won't read those uh, again, but uh, I would mention them so you can look them up for yourself. And Revelation chapter 14, verses 4 through 5. Now, in those two passages, we find a number of things said about the 144,000. Now, we had already started looking at some of those points that are made about the 144,000. I will just recap or mention them briefly without getting into uh, uh, too in-depth. We know, first of all, uh, that they will be Jews, for the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 7, verses 5 through 8, that they will come from all the tribes of Israel. 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes will make up the 144,000. So first we know that they will be Jews. Second of, uh, secondly, we know that they will be servants of God, for that's indeed what these passages tell us that they will be. These are individuals who will have come to faith in Christ 
after the tribulation period has begun and, and, and after the rapture of the church. No individuals uh, who are left behind after the rapture are Christians or people in a personal relationship with Christ. So when the tribulation begins, there will be not a single believer uh, in, in the Lord Jesus. But we know that by the grace of God, God will not abandon neither the earth nor the inhabitants of the earth. And these individuals come to faith in Christ during the first half of the tribulation period and will propagate and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the kingdom uh, throughout the world, and that as a result of their ministry, many will be saved all over the world. Thirdly, we said that they will be protected by God, uh, for, for that is what the, uh, uh, the scripture says. In verse 3, in fact, we're told that there will be nothing uh, there to harm them. Neither the judgments of God will harm the 144,000, neither will uh, uh, Antichrist uh, as Satan unleashes his wrath against uh, the world and the, and, and, and the people of God. And um, so we know that, that they will be protected. Now, number four, this is where we left off. They are undefiled and Pure. Again, going back to Revelation chapter 14 and, and verse 4. Listen to what it says. Um, there are, these are those who did not defile themselves with women, for they kept themselves pure. Well, according to this passage, these will be virgin males. Uh, most likely meaning that they will have been consecrated to God and that they will have remained single and spiritually pure. Uh, for in, in that very same verse, it tells us that they follow the Lamb wherever they go. So according to the Word of God, the 144,000 will be undefiled and pure. And then uh, later on in the same verse, uh, we are told uh, that they are the first fruits, as stated previously. And I'm not going to elaborate too much on that. Uh, uh, they will be among the first in the world after the rapture who will come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, therefore the first fruits uh, uh, during the first half of the tribulation. They will be Jews who are converted uh, and become followers and disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are also told, number six, we are also told that they are truthful and blameless. Uh, this is a statement that was made by John Walford uh, regarding this uh, description. It says, the description of the 144,000 closes with a statement that they are without guile and without fault. In saying that they have no guile, they th uh, the thought is that there is no falsehood or especially no false religion in them. This large number has been kept utterly clean from the false religion of the Great Tribulation. They, also, they are also described as without fault or blameless, that is, uh, without stain, in contrast to those who are apostates. And, you know, in order to make also application about this, how are you and I doing today in the 21st century? Remember, we 
are those who represent the church of Jesus Christ. And I've said this in the past and I will say it often in the future. We as Christians represent the Lord Jesus Christ. We are ambassadors of God's kingdom in this world. And in fact, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the only reason for which I am alive today, the only reason for which I am alive today is in order to do God's work here on earth. And what an honor and privilege it is for me uh, to be busy doing God's work, proclaiming, preaching, and standing for the truth. But in making application to some of the uh, passages that we read concerning future events, how are you and I today doing in relation to uh, uh, how these individuals uh, will do during the tribulation period. Are we undefiled and pure? Are we truthful and blameless? Listen, the reputation of the church and the reputation of Jesus Christ rests squarely on you and me as Christians. At the end of the day, whatever people think of Christ is whatever they think of me as a Christian. And if Christ is not the God of the universe who has the ability and power to save individuals, if that is the perception that people have, then it's the perception that I have portrayed before them uh, myself. The reputation of Christ rests on me as a Christian. And listen, the truth of the matter is this. Jesus Christ is no longer here physically, walking down the streets of Charlotte or Atlanta or Los Angeles or New York or Houston or Seattle. Nonetheless, He is here walking down the streets of Charlotte and Atlanta and Los Angeles and New York and Houston and Seattle. How? In you and me as Christians. We are those who now portray or bring the face of Christ to those who live in a lost and dying world. We have the truth and the responsibility to proclaim that truth and the responsibility to remain truthful and blameless and undefiled and pure so that those who see us see Jesus. Because you know what? Life is not about me. It's all about Him. And if I do a better job of showing myself than showing Christ, then I'm not doing a very good job as a Christian. Because as I grow in my faith, I ought to shrink and diminish and Christ ought to be blown up. People ought to be able to see more of Him and less of me. In fact, people ought to be able not to be... They should not be able to even determine where I begin or end or where He begins and ends. How are we doing in relation to how these individuals lived during the tribulation period? Are we undefiled and pure? Are we truthful and blameless. If the rapture occurs tomorrow, what will Jesus find us doing? 
Will we be occupied with ourselves and our petty problems and our selfishness and our desires for fulfilling our selfish ambitions or will we be found faithfully proclaiming and living out the gospel of Jesus Christ? Now the scripture clearly teaches us also that the 144,000 are not the only ones God is going to use to represent Him during the days of the tribulation period. The Bible also speaks to us about the two witnesses. In fact, if you look at Revelation chapter 11 and verses 1 through 3, this is what John says. I was given a reed like a measuring rod and was told, Go and measure the temple of God and the altar and count the worshipers there. But exclude the outer court. Do not measure it because it has been given to the Gentiles. They will trample on the holy city for 42 months, three and a half years. Verse 3, And I will... And I will be given power, and I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. So John tells us in Revelation chapter 11 about the two witnesses that God will use during the tribulation period to proclaim the word of God. Now during the last half of the tribulation, this is the time in which God raises these two witnesses to bear testimony of Him. Now sackcloth, as we read in the verse, is a symbol of mourning, which seems to indicate that they will cry out against the sins of the people and, 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 and announce the coming indignation. Now. It, going back to uh, Revelation 11, look at now verses 5 and 6. It says here, If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and devours their enemies. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. These men have power to shut up the sky so that it will not rain during the time they are uh, prophesying and they have the power to turn the waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. Needless to say these individuals will be endowed by God with great powers and abilities to do things of a supernatural nature. They will have the ability to control weather, to control water, to control plagues during this time. In fact, the Bible, as we just read, tells us that anybody who attempts to harm these individuals will be killed, or they will at least have the ability to kill these individuals. Uh, these powers and abilities will serve as evidence to Israel, to the Jews, that they are or their ministry is on behalf of the Almighty God who has been in the process of disciplining an Israel who has rejected its Messiah and is in the process of bringing them uh, to faith in order, uh, for, uh, uh, in order to usher in the coming of the King and the Kingdom.
Now, Revelation 11 also indicates uh, that their ministry be, will be validated by many of the miracles and the powers that they will exercise. Their ministry, according to Revelation 11, verse 8, is going to be centered around Jerusalem, for it says their bodies will lie on the street of the great city, which is figur figuratively called uh, Sodom and Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. Of course, we're, uh, uh, their, their ministry will be centered in, in Israel and will be centered in the city of Jerusalem. Uh, in fact, their ministry, if you think about it, it, will be very similar to that of the ministry of John the Baptist. He, they will be calling people to repentance. They will be announcing the coming of the King. Their ministry will last 1,260 days, which is the second half of the tribulation period, uh, and, and will end at, at the end. They will fulfill, in essence, uh, Zechariah 4, 11, and 14, which is uh, the passage uh, 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 where we're told about uh, the, uh, the individuals who will, be, who, who will be empowered by the Holy Spirit uh, in order to carry out uh, this ministry. Now, these individuals will be killed uh, by... Uh, uh, Antichrist and these individuals in fact there will be great joy around the world as a result of the death of these individuals to the extent that they will not even bury these individuals after they have died they will allow their bodies to remain on the streets and the world would literally break out into a party uh, with great joy and they will hate these two individuals because think of what these two individuals are doing they are in essence crying out against the sin of the world and accusing the world of, 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 of this sin and calling the world to repentance and announcing the coming of the kingdom, the, the world will hate these individuals and when they are killed, they will celebrate this terrible act. But we are told that that's not the end of the two uh, witnesses. We are told that to the amazement of the world, the two will be raised from the dead and literally ascend to heaven before the very eyes of the world. After the three and a half days that they're laid in the streets of Jerusalem, dead, they will be raised and will ascend into heaven according to Revelation 11 verses 11 and 12 where it says, but after the three and a half days a breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet and terror struck those who saw them. Can you imagine the event after all the joy and celebration going on around the world? In fact, it becomes a worldwide holiday. The day these individuals were killed becomes a worldwide holiday. They even go as far as to give each other gifts around the world because of the death of these individuals. Can you imagine the terror that will, that will hit them when they see with their own eyes these two individuals being brought back to life and seeing them ascend into heaven? For it says here, uh, uh, then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud uh, while their enemies looked on. Listen, and you know, certainly technology 
will have the capacity to, to, to allow the whole world to be able to witness this. Listen, we can, we don't have to imagine how the world will be able to witness the events during this time period. For we ourselves are already involved in using much of the technology that will be uh, uh, used by Antichrist to have such control over, over the world. Listen, do you guys, I mean, certainly you do. I remember, I remember when, when, when Iraq had invaded Kuwait. And I remember when the United States and, and its allies went to force Iraq to leave Kuwait and give Kuwait, the land of Kuwait, back to the Kuwaitis. And that was a war. And I remember sitting in my living room with my TV on watching a war. Listen, we have the technology today that will allow individuals from all over the world to be struck with terror as they see the two individuals whose deaths they were celebrating by exchanging gifts come back to life and ascend into heaven after the loud voice calls them and says, come here. Imagine that. Not unlike today, it'll be in the days of the tribulation. People will be susceptible to the things that are untrue, that are sensationalistic, because they have nothing, they have nothing to anchor them, folks. Let me tell you something, Christian. If you don't have a decent grasp on what the Bible teaches, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. And so, so should I. This is God's word. This is God's letter to me personally. And he commands me in this book to study it and to become familiar with what he says. How am I supposed to even know this God who created me and who saved me if I don't study his word? And how am I supposed to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in a lost and dying world if I don't study what this book says? How can I stand for truth? How can I even know truth if I don't know what this book says? How can I proclaim and point others to the Christ that died for them in order to provide salvation if I don't know what this book says. Just as in the days of the tribulation we see it today, people have nothing to anchor their souls on. And whenever, and whenever somebody says or does something that is, they just follow. Folks, only through the Christ revealed in the scriptures is their salvation. And I want to invite you to enter into a personal relationship with this Jesus. Father, we thank you for this time of study. May you take what we have looked at and use it to build our faith and conform us to the image of Christ. And may those who don't know you personally may come to that saving knowledge. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen.